Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. So we're going to dive right in today, and with me I have a very special guest. His name is Taylor Conroy. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for quite a few years, and he's got an incredible story. On this podcast, we talk about social entrepreneurship, social enterprise. We talk about contribution and how to make an impact. We talk about charity a little bit and nonprofits and how to get involved. Uh, one of the things that I've heard a lot from members in the last little while and people in our community is, how do I give back? I want to give back. Do I start my own charity? Do I start my own nonprofit? Uh, so we're going to talk about how you can actually make a difference in your community, whether it's through a nonprofit or through just volunteering, whatever that looks like. Uh, Taylor and I also dive into some really incredible content, some really incredible uh, concepts around relationships with one of the projects that he's working on personally so that we jam on that. And then we jam on something that is near and dear to me, which is something called the man journey. And we are taking 40 to 50 guys from all over North America down to Guatemala to build a kindergarten. So Man Talks and, and Journey have partnered together and uh, we are bringing some incredible people down to Guatemala. So if you would like to be involved, the trip is from May 4th to 9th. Yeah, May 4th to 9th. And there's limited space. We have quite a few people signed up already. So if you'd like to be involved, if you want to you know, give back, here's your chance. Um, you can either reach out to myself at infomantalks.ca or you can check out the, the link in the notes uh, if you would like to join us or you can reach out to Taylor firsthand. So without any further delay, I am so pleased to introduce you to Taylor Conway. All right, Taylor. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you so much for joining me on the Man Talks podcast. There's nowhere else I'd rather be, Connor. Awesome, brother. So uh, I want to start off with the burning question uh, that, that we usually start off with, which is tell us a story, tell the listeners a story about a defining moment that made who you are today. Okay. You know, because I got the cheat sheet on that that question was going to be asked about 15 seconds ago. Um, I came up, I, I thought of a moment that happened to me in 2010. Um, it happened, I was traveling around the, around the world, but, uh, and I was, I was sitting in Spain and I was, I was just beginning a year long trip that, that ended up in 15 countries and six continents and an incredible kind of finding myself journey when I was 28 years old. But before that, what led to that trip was a sequence of events that I guess you could only describe as searching for, for fulfillment and all the typical slash wrong slash you know um cliche places and so like my journey started you know i was 20 uh i was a firefighter i loved being a firefighter i loved being like my whole job was helping people which blew my mind i blew, blew my mind i was getting paid to help people which is you know very fulfilling thing to do uh, but i lacked the ability to be entrepreneurial and lacked the ability to you know make as much money as i wanted to make you, you know when you're a, when you're a firefighter you get promotions you know every five years or whatever it is a very set course and so i picked up real estate on the side and and started selling real estate built a real estate company and my life became about making money my life became about my self-worth became my bank account my net worth um my you know, the, the way that I looked at myself was directly direct corollary to how much money I had in the, in the bank account. And 
I remember remember thinking when I was 26, I had, my goal had been to originally in real estate to make $500,000 in a year. I wanted to make that much money in my first year because I had never heard of anyone else who had done it. it would put me in the top 1% of realtors in in on the continent and I worked my balls off and and I hit that goal with my first year. And after that I was like, "Yes, I'm like I'm set. This is I'm going to be happy forever." And realized that the next year I would just have to set another goal. And it would just have to be a bigger goal. And I started looking around me at, at others in the industry and realizing that's all they did was just set bigger goals and make more money. And I was like, wait a sec, that's what life is about, is just setting bigger goals. And I just started getting confused. And at the time, I was 25. And then when I was 26, I hit another goal, which was to become a millionaire. I was like, I want to become a millionaire. And I, I remember hitting that goal and being happy. I worked, just worked like crazy for three years straight to hit this goal. Hit the goal. I was happy for about 12, between 12 and 24 hours before the mind, the, the thing popped in my mind of like, well, I'm kind of trapped in my business. It's not that much money. Um, maybe I should make $10 million. And I did that second where I was like, wait a second, this is a disease. This will never stop. When I get to 10, it will be a hundred. When I get to a hundred, it will be a billion. When I get to whatever, it will never stop. And you see people where it never stops for the current administration of the country that we're in, you know, um, included these people that live their lives for more and more and more and more and more and it never stops. And so in 2010, I was sitting at a table in Spain after deciding I would take a year off to find myself and decided I'm not going to sit and get up from this table until I t define what is enough. Until I define like I, I need to stop this in the excess, incessant voice of more and more and more. And I sat there and I decided here's how much I want to have in the bank account that will appease my scared ego that that something if everything falls apart i won't be able to you know figure out what to do so i set it set aside some savings i defined exactly how much i needed to come in a month to live the life that i wanted to live meaning being able to eat healthy food have a nice place to live and be able to travel um and i decided that would be my enough for four years and i said i wouldn't even revisit it until i was 32 because at that time i thought maybe when i was 28 and i thought maybe when i'm 32 i might be wanting to have a family i might need more money and that was so crazy impactful for my life in so many ways that I didn't expect in that one, it stopped the chatter. It stopped the buy another property, invest in this. You need to be, you need to make more. That other guy's going to make more than you. I was comparing myself to people all the time, but what it did was it's, it's, as soon as the focus was stopped being on myself, like needing to fulfill me, the focus had to go somewhere. And that was the beginning of my, my journey into like social entrepreneurship because the focus had to go somewhere. So it started to go outward I started to go like, well, how much impact could I make? How much, you know, what I, all my needs are fulfilled. What can I go out there and do, you know, to make sure other people's needs are fulfilled. Amazing. And so in, in like three words, it's finding my enough. Mm, I like that. Finding my enough. I feel like that might be the title <laughs> of, yeah. uh, of this episode. <laughs> that's like a, that's like a Taylor Conway quote. Is that, is that what a... you do? You just wait till the person finished talking and the last three words they said, they're like, I think that's the title. That's it. That's it right there. We're going to make a <laughs> really? meme. Your face is going to be on it and uh, everybody will tune in. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's an incredible journey. I think that, you know, I think a lot of guys can relate to that. And I think that there's a lot of seekers out there, you know, who, are seeking the sort of fame or the fortune that that come along with our perception of what success means and you know you talked about a few things in there that i definitely want to jam on like social entrepreneurship and impact and and you know the sort of like the why behind what you do now but um maybe just maybe just tell the listeners how 
that time in your life shifted your perspective of success? Like what, what did success mean to you before and how did it shift after? Like how did that definition shift? I love that question. <clears throat> the, a little while after that first goal of, of reaching that amount in real estate, making $500,000 in a year, I went to this conference to get a big plaque and I wore this pinstripe suit with a pink tie because I thought I was just the bomb. And I remember getting the biggest plaque that they could give because that's you know the bracket that I had gotten into. And I went to this other guy who had a really big plaque and I said, dude, how do you keep doing it? You keep just making more and more and more. How do you do it? And he looked at me and he said, I mean, this is like the top guy in Western Canada at the time. And he said, he said, well, Taylor, he says, I hate finishing second. And I said, what? He says, I'm very competitive. I hate finishing second. So I make sure to, you know, basically in essence, I make sure to always finish first. And that's when a, a big shift happened. I went, wait a second, dude just spent the last 20 years of his life comparing himself to other people, basing all his self-worth on if he gets the biggest plaque, which is exactly what I was doing at the time. And because at the time, that's what I looked like at success. Like I, I looked at success as finishing first. I looked at success as being better than the other people around me in my industry or out of my industry. I compared myself with fucking everyone. And, you know, I, Connor, I mean, when, when you and I met, I don't know, can I talk, can I tell the story? Yeah, how, yeah you know, do you, it. You, for anyone listening, Connor and I had the, the wonderful pleasure of, of dating the same girl at different times. Um, and when we met, I compared myself to you, you know, like you, you were an opera singer at the time, mm. right? Yeah. You're an opera singer. I, you were an opera singer. I was in real estate, transitioning to social. We couldn't be further from the different industries, very different industries. Yet I was just like, what this Connor guy, like he's a better singer than me, obviously. Cause, and he's like, you know, compare, compare, compare. And that, that way of living is just so I don't know. It's detrimental. It's, it's poisonous. It's gross. It's just, of course we're all, and we, and I still do it, you know, at times much less than I did then. But the definition of success to me, long story short was, was that I was beating everyone else. And therefore there was never enough, right? Cause that someone all, someone else was always going to have more. Mm. And I was, and I was scrambling all the time. And now the definition of success to me is asking myself and being able to answer the question very clearly Am I having as much as much fun as humanly possible right now? And if the answer is yes, fuck, that's massive success. That's awesome. And so for me, and, I, and if I like, I was. It's funny. I was up, like I said, to like four in the morning last night. One of the one of the things I wrote down was like my three keys to happiness. I never wrote these things down before. I was in a yoga class last night. I wrote them down. Then I brought back home, put them on the whiteboard. And for me, it's like one, not caring what other, what other people think. And that ties directly into comparing because you don't compare. If you don't care what other people think, you don't need to, you know, if you don't care what other people think, you don't need to compare yourself to others. Number two is finding you're enough. So continually finding what, what is enough? Like what you, you get it. We went through all that. And then the last one is, is bleed truth. Mm. And to me, success is when you're fucking, when I said bleed truth, because I couldn't come up with a better word, a better, you know, phrase to say like whenever you're in your truth at all times. You know, when you're jealous because your girlfriend um, is talking to another guy, even though it's about nothing, then you tell her, like, look, I'm so jealous right now of you talking to another guy. Can you help me through that? You know what I mean? Yeah. When I'm in that place, it's this combination because I've, you know, it's those three things that that not so eloquently in my mind at the moment um, lead to success. Yeah. And I, I think that there's, you know, you, you talked about not worrying about what other people think. 
right? And I and I think you know we just had Gary V speaking at an event, Gary Vaynerchuk, and I think one of the reasons that I started to clue in why people respect and follow him in like cult like fashion is that he simultaneously gives a fuck about people, but does not give a fuck about what they think. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's just like, he cares so much about people and about who they are and about their happiness. A hundred, 110%, but he doesn't give a shit about their opinions about him specifically. And I think that that's the difference. It's just like, there's not that comparison there. And I, what I hear is that you're talking about that. That sounds like a big part of your shift has been moving into, I care about you deeply. And at the same time, your judgments of me don't matter. You know, and that is a, that's a, that's a challenging space to, I mean, that's a challenging space to move to, right? Because we all want to appease our ego and be in this space of impressing other people, you know? And that's why you see so many guys get caught in that, what I call the golden handcuffs of the financial industry or real estate or, you know, whatever, whatever industry that they're in to, you know, buy these nice cars and motorcycles and houses and all that other kind of stuff. So that's, it's great, man. Yeah, man. I, I mean, if Gary V, let's say, is the, you know, he's gone through uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, university, and he's now like teaching courses on on um, not giving a fuck while caring an exponential amount. You know, if that's if that's if those words resonate with you, if he's the professor, I'm in like grade two. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm the very beginning. I still care way too much what people think. And and. I know that that I know it because it shows up if I'm doing like a public speech or something when I'm nervous is because I really care what people think too much. You know, nerves are great when you're public speaking, but not ideally when it comes from this place of like, oh, my God, they're all going to judge me. And maybe something, you know, something we've never talked about is, you know, we talk about these things as men. We talk about like, I would love to not care as much about what people think. I would love to know what enough is. I would love to, you know, be able to speak my truth. And those those are very like somewhat abstract concepts. Those are like big, like blurry. Like how do we get there? And so lately, I've been really fascinated with like breaking these things down to tangible steps. So so for me, you know, actually for the last couple of years, because I was so petrified of public speaking when I first got started, I started to get obsessed with this idea of doing things that would make me feel awkward, so that would get me over caring what people thought. Hmm. And so if I was on an, on an airplane before a talk, I'd force myself to go to the front of the aisle the very front of the plane and do lunges all the way down the aisle of the plane, looking each person in the eye <laughs> as you go. Cause you know, that's awkward, right? That just sounds awkward. It sounds, but, am- I, I want to fly with you just to witness you doing lunges. Down the it, wouldn't aisle. Count, it wouldn't count if I was with you because then, cause you know, I you have to be on a plane where no one knows what you're doing. So you're <laughs> the crazy person. You have to be the crazy person. You have to feel like the crazy person. Then you kind of get over this. Then by the time the, the crazy thing is you get by, you get to the end of the aisle and it's, you're exhilarated. You're like, you be, because I don't know, it's like something in your brain is, is, you know, the old caveman thing of if you get kicked out of the community, if people will judge you and kick you out of the community, you're going to die. But by the time, so that's what you're going through as you're doing the lunges. Everyone's judging you. They're going to kick you out of the community, like tapping into some deep, deep old triggers. But by the time you get to the end of the aisle, you realize you didn't die and it's exhilarated and you don't care. And so I, I love the, I don't know, I just really love jamming on those ideas of breaking these abstract concepts, like, or like the truth telling one, the truth telling one for, for my girlfriend and I is like, I know that in the past I've really struggled with jealousy, you know, like deeply struggle, like, like debilitating with, with one partner in particular and for, for not, no fault of her own, 
I went to therapy for it, the whole thing. And so with my girlfriend now, I feel into it so hard. I was feeling super jealous one time. She, there was a speaker at my place in our front yard. We put him on an event, and this guy did a talk, and he's very handsome and charismatic. And, and I was, like, comparing myself to him. And, and, uh, and she went up and talked to him, and I was just like, oh, she wants to sleep with him for sure. Guaranteed she wants to sleep with that guy. I would if I was her. You know, like, the guy's amazing. And I talked to her, and I just forced myself to, like, sit in it and, like, feel the jealousy in every cell of my body not run away from it, but be like, oh yeah, I'm so jealous right now. Like if, if jealousy was the ocean, I was diving to the bottom, you know, and talk to her about it. And so anytime I'm feeling something like that, I force myself to talk to her about it because then it just like breeds this habit of truth. I think truth is, well, you know, I'm kind of rambling, but you get the point. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's powerful, man. I think that, you know, so often men struggle with that, whether it's an insecurity of, uh, of what you're talking about, or it's an insecurity about their financial stability or their, you know, their dick size or their sexual ability. Like mm -hmm. it's there, you know, and, and so often they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it with their buddies. Yeah. They definitely don't talk about it with their partner. And yeah. so it just breeds <clears throat> there, you know, and, and, and it just sort of continues to grow and build until it shows up in these really unhealthy negative ways where they start to passive aggressively take that oh, yeah. out on their partner, you know? And so I think what you're talking about, uh, even though it was a side tangent, I think is beautiful and, and powerful because a lot of men need to be able to, yeah, that takes courage. You know, like you're talking about some, if there was such a thing as, you know, growing a pair and, you know, having some balls, like that's, that's what it actually means, man. Like you're leaning into this really uncomfortable space of of talking to your partner about that kind of stuff or lunging down airplane aisles with people looking at you like what the hell is this guy doing that is courage that's bravery right in these uncomfortable moments of of telling the truth and calling ourselves out to people and allowing them to see the parts of ourselves the shadow parts of ourselves that we don't want other people to normally see dude that's a really interesting can we stay on this tangent for one second yeah for a minute um it's a really interesting thought because we, I was sitting in your city in New York the other day, like three days ago. We are having lunch, and I was with my girlfriend and two buddies and one of their girlfriends. And they, they, one of them said, how you feeling right now, Taylor? And I just opened up. I almost I, – I, tears kind of welled up in my eyes. I said, you know, I'm really – there's a lot of heavy stuff going on right now. You know, I'm, I, as I told you before, before we started this, I'm really in, involved in this um, – the sexual abuse space or sexual abuse recovery space with women right now. And I'm learning a lot about it and it's a lot of very heavy, um, subject matter. And so my emotional, you know, it's, I feel like tears are just like up to here in my eyes, just waiting to come out at any time. So just don't ask the wrong question, Connor, or the right question because it'll all come tumbling out and I'll be a mess. But I told him that and, and, and that led into this discussion of, of being open and crying on my girlfriend's chest. And just like laying there and her just really holding me and creating a safe space for me to do that. And when asked, my friends asked her about that. They say, you know, how does it make you feel when he, when he does that, when he's like a hot mess, you know? And she said, she said she went into this very articulate explanation of bravery and that bravery is, you know, it's a, this whole, like, you know, courage is not, not feeling fear. It's feeling it and doing it anyways. And so she knows she can see she's very, conscious aware woman she knows that me crying in front of her is very difficult for me because i feel i feel like i'm she's going to judge me and that it's not masculine and it's all of these things and and because she knows that it's a deep fear of mine 
every time I do it, she looks at me as being more and more brave. She looks at me as more and more courageous because she knows how hard it is for me to do it. She uses the example of, you know, for her to go outside in the morning, it's not a big deal. But with someone with agoraphobia, it's a big deal to go outside in the morning. Um, so what, what matters is, is what's hard for you defines what, you know, what is courage. And so for, for her, and, and I truly, I'm guessing you, you're the part, you know, you've explained that your partner to me, you'd be in the same boat where she would recognize that when you're going through something that it's hard and that's straight up fucking bravery and that's courage and that's fearlessness is going through the stuff that we just don't talk about. And we don't talk about it because it's hard. We don't talk about it because it makes us feel awkward and we want to run away from those feelings. And so I think a real genuine solid woman sees that and, and when they can provide a space for you to dive into that within yourself, I mean, it's just, that's just straight magic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, man. I agree. And, and I would imagine that the connection that you two have has deepened significantly out of those moments of intimacy, you know, and, and realness and truth. Dude, if there was one thing, I know we're talking impact and we're going to jump back to it. If there's one thing that I could like scream from the rafters and be like, I think I actually learned something about relationships in this 35 years on the planet. I believe me. I'm in like, actually I'm, I'm in kindergarten with relationships. I would say, you know, with the school analogy, but is this vulnerability and it, and from this woman. And it was Connor talking about financial security. When we first met my, my former company was collapsing. It was just like falling apart. And I got to the point where I realized all the money that I'd put in, all the money that I'd made in real estate that I'd poured into the startup, it was not coming back to me. And all the loans that I took out in my personal name, none of those were coming back to me with this company going down. And so I looked at it and I looked at the hard truth and I thought, and I realized I've got no other choice. I have to declare personal bankruptcy mm. from millionaire to zero, you know, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know what the, the best, what I don't know what the saying is. It's like the opposite of rags to riches, you know, riches yeah. are red. Yeah. Uh, but, but this, this woman, Joanna, my girlfriend, you know, we went on three dates. I tried to kiss her on the third date. She wouldn't let me. And, uh, on our fourth date, we're sitting there and I just like, and said, look, my business is collapsing right now. I'm, I have to declare bankruptcy. I'm failing very, very hard right now. And she looked at me, she didn't even say a word. And we've been on four dates. I've been like, why am I dining this woman? And she didn't say a word and she just leaned in and she just started making out with me. She started kissing me deeply. And from that moment, it was just on. We literally like got up from the beach and drove to San Diego and spent four days in San Diego. And it was like, and our relationship is on because she saw me. And it says, man, we don't let people see us. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like the woman, the person who's like the most, the closest to us in, in our life, because we think it's going to make us sound weak and then maybe lose some attraction when in reality, it's like, it's literally the complete opposite. Mm. I love it, man. I mean, that's, that's huge. You're just dropping wisdom bombs all over the place here. <laughs> just, just getting straight up. I'm going to start crying soon, Connor. Well, 1039, <laughs> mark it on the calendar. Um, no, dude, I think that that's, I think that what you're talking about is, is so important for people to hear, you know, and, and it's that type of connection that, you know, I, my partner and I call it turning towards or turning away. And a lot of the times in these moments where we're trying to convey a part of like, we're trying to keep up this facade and this mask of who we think we should be to attract the right partner. 
often leaves us feeling the most disconnected, right? Because it allows them to continue to turn away and allows us to continue to turn away and only be seen from our side profile, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And when we start to have these really open conversations you're talking about, we get to continue to turn towards them and drop the facade, drop the mask, drop that sort of, you know, BS um, image that we're putting out in the world. And we get to really be seen for the first time. And I think for, for both people, for any gender, for any uh, sexual orientation, like that's the goal. It doesn't matter who you want to love. At the end of the day, just being seen like that is powerful. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so let's, I want to, before we kind of jump gears into, it's just so it's not too sudden, um, but I wanted to go back into, you, know, you, you touched on this work that you're doing with women who have been sexually abused and stuff like that. And I'm curious, like where that came from and why you're passionate about that, because, you know, here you run this company called Journey and, you know, you, you take people down into South America and all over the world to build homes and schools and and really help people who who really don't have, you know, as much as we have or they don't live the same lives as we live. And. And so I'm curious as to where this fits into all of that, because it's it's a little bit outside of what you do uh, with your work with Journey. I mean, it's it's connected in some ways, but why did you choose to do that? And why is it so important to you? You know, as I don't know if you're into astrology at all, but I'm a double Capricorn. Mm. Okay. Which means I'm a workaholic laid on top of workaholic. And I love to work. I love focus. I love lists. I love lists so much and whiteboards, dude. I, one time I had an office that had 17 whiteboards in it. It was just like straight up whiteboard heaven. But as, as focused and, and a type and driven and ambitious as I have a natural ability, a natural inclination to be, um, when sometimes when things fall in your lap, when, when things line up and make your heart feel like, Oh, this is the track you, you need to surrender to it. Like my, my favorite book right now is the surrender experiment. Yeah. I, you know, the dude's oh, yeah. just Michael Singer. Yeah. Come on. The guy, like that book is incredible. Yeah. I just, I think I've listened to it three or four times. Um, on audible. And anyways, with that, that's true strength. That's, that's, realizing you have no control over your actual life. Sure. You've got, you, you've got some say in a couple of things. We do have the power of free will, but with the, with the sexual abuse thing, um, what happened was uh, a dear friend of mine, um, really, really close friend of mine messaged me. And she, this is, this is a woman who's a trainer. She's a teacher. She teaches women about orgasms and sexuality and, and, and they're empowered woman. She, this just woman is absolutely incredible. And she went on a, a date with a guy and she was making out with the guy and, and I'll, I'll skip the middle part, but just say, though nuanced, um, what she went through would be considered date rape. Hmm. Mid thirties, this woman, mid thirties, been around the block. She knows a thing or two about a thing or two, right? She was one of my greatest teachers and she went through this. And what was fascinating to me was the dialogue that she was using after this happened when I was talking to her on the phone, because it wasn't like, ah, guy like why did he do that i mean uh, and sure beat yourself up a little bit if, if you need to to learn from it or whatever it is i don't know whatever's right for the person i, I actually kind of feel bad saying that it doesn't really resonate to beat yourself up about something that's absolutely not her fault um but she was beating herself up about it she was she was like it's my fault i'm i i feel ashamed i shouldn't have put myself in that position i could have done it differently it was everything was that her fault 
everything, all the wording was that it was her fault. And I said, wait, wait a second, this, this is not your fault. Like you told me exactly what, what happened. Like I'm very, very logical brained. Like that's just, it's never your fault in that situation. Never. And, and to have someone who's so wise saying, talking about it being their fault was fascinating to me. So I posted on Facebook, just like, I don't know, it was like midnight or something. And I put it on Facebook. Like just, I, a friend of mine was recently sexually abused and I was really blown away by the fact that she thought it was her fault and long story short, it's not your fault ladies. And I started getting this outpour of women sending me their stories and sending me, um, you know, the things that had happened to them. And one, I, I got a message on Facebook from another you know, top three women friends in the world who messages me and says, are you in the, are you in the habit of having women confide in you about sexual abuse uh, stories? Cause if so, we should have a call. And I said, I was like, what? And so I hop on the phone with her. She tells me a month and a half earlier, she was walking through a park. She was attacked by three men in London, um, downtown London, England. And they tried to rape her. Luckily, luckily she kind of joked she had four layers of clothing on because it was so cold that cold and someone came along with a flashlight and like stopped it but she three men tried to rape her and she didn't tell anyone about it she kind of opened up to her former boyfriend but she didn't tell her her whole support network she this woman has incredible amounts of people that care about her so deeply myself included she didn't tell any of us because she was ashamed she thought it was her fault and and she just kind of siloed herself and I started reading on all these stories that it's very typical for women to silo themselves. Like this thing happens that is so crazy common. It's insane and infuriating and, and, and bananas that it's so common. Yet as soon as it happens, boom, siloed, alone. Don't talk about it. Don't go to do the things that would ideally lead towards healing. And so in that, I just, I, you know, I posted about that and, and then more stories came and I started thinking, you know, then you kind of mix the, what's happening organically with the A-type personality, like I need to do something about this. And I started thinking, well, how can I actually contribute towards their healing? And if all the wording was that they think they're alone in this and that they think it was their fault, what if they could read stories of other women that thought the same thing? Mm. What if they could read stories of other women that have gone through the same thing and ideally maybe even found some healing in some, some way or another and learn from that healing? And so I asked women to send in their stories so that I could compile a little book for my friends and say, look, here's a bunch of people that are going through the same thing. And that is now kind of mushroomed into, and you get this, Connor, and I'm guessing a bunch of your listeners do too, this entrepreneurial mindset of like, well, what if we could do this too? And what if we could do that? This would really help. And so what we're, what we're doing now is compiling stories. My goal is to compile a thousand stories um, that add, that go through and answer a, a list of specific questions um, and then analyze, use data to to analyze a data-driven approach, to analyze these stories and pick out the, the commonalities with these stories, pick out the um, the, the wording that gets used over and over again, uh, like it's my fault that I'm shameful and I shouldn't have been there and da 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 and talk. And I want to see like, I want to see on a, on a spreadsheet, I want to see on a bar graph, 80% of the stories people thought, thought it was their fault and da 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 da. And I want to correlate those emotions, shame, guilt, you know, um, et cetera, to, I don't know if you've heard of this study of, I can't even remember the guy, I think it's Horowitz, but I'm probably botching that, the electromagnetic, electromagnetic, I believe, frequency that is attached to certain emotions mm. that I felt in the body, and it's so fascinating, it's like the baseline is like, and I'm totally botching this, but I think the baseline is like 200 um, is, is when you're not feeling really much of anything, is you're giving off a, a megahertz of 200, you know, 800 is love, and 700 is, is excitement or joy, and, you know, 500 is you know, whatever, you know, you get it. And then below 200 is like the negative stuff, like shame, guilt, that kind of thing. And 
and I want to I want to you know correlate like this is sexual abuse is causing these emotions which is causing this frequency which is and just like just really give people a visual way of, of approaching this because I believe women inherently are beautiful space holder storytellers feeling oriented beings and I would love to just bring what it would be typically known as a more masculine approach to something that is 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 the the vast majority is involved in the the feminine psyche, mm. you know, women, women on average are abused far more than men. I'm not discounting men that are abused. They absolutely are. But at this moment, I'm focusing on the fact that I would love to, to take this type of uh, approach to, to a space that is typically, um, handled with a feminine type of approach. Yeah. And I, I feel like you'll be able to bring awareness to that issue in a way that makes it relevant to men. And I think that that's something that a lot of yep. women struggle with is how do we make exactly. this relevant to men? You know, I think exactly. the stats like one in three or one in four women will be sexually abused in some capacity. <laughs> right. And so if that's the case, how, you know, they're, they're always asking the question. I get asked this a lot. How do we bring awareness to men? And I think your approach is great because it, it brings in this masculine approach. It brings in the masculine perspective of, of, you know, here's the data behind it. Here's this sort of like flow chart and, and pie chart to it, but also it also presents it to men in a way that makes it relevant so that it is hopefully giving them permission to speak about some of these things, you know, from whatever sides they have landed on, whether they have never been involved in sexual abuse in any capacity, whether, you know, whether they were the aggressor or victim of it, um, or if they're just on the outside understanding you know, because I think the, the the challenging thing for most guys that are probably listening to this is that most men date someone who has been sexually abused. And I feel like for the challenge for most men is how do we support a woman who has gone through sexual abuse in the past? And what do yeah. I need to know? Like, how do I help her heal through that? And that seems to be one of the biggest, the biggest mm -hmm. challenges that most guys face. Um, and, and so I think that you're, you're, what you're doing is is not only needed, but will support men in understanding what women go through and how they can best support. Um, because that's, that's something that I think a lot of men face. I think you're totally right. And we feel very unempowered, right? We feel very helpless, yeah. which is a, which is a feeling that as men, we do not like to feel Yeah, right. We want to know what, what can we do? How can we support? And yes, part of it is listening. Yes. Part of it is holding the space and being there. And let's, let's surrender to the fact that men, we like to take action we want to do something about it. And when we feel helpless, it's just like, it's paralyzing. It's a terrible feeling to feel. It's why we, I got involved in the first place. I didn't, couldn't stand to feel helpless mm -hmm. around it. You know, we want to support our women. So I think you're right. And bringing it into male speak, bringing yeah. it into here's three steps to supporting your, your partner who has gone through past sexual trauma. Here's, um, you know, five reasons to do X, Y, Z. This is how we as men take in information. We don't, we don't typically take it in through the, let's say more like feeling emotional modalities uh, as much as women do. Mm -hmm. You know, we have two sides of our brain are much more separated than, than they are in women. And therefore we digest information radically differently. And so wouldn't it be amazing if we could really digest this information and go, oh, so now I get it. I, I, I understand to a certain point or take the edge off and, and give them an entry point into exactly what you're saying, you know, mm. being, of, being of service. Incredible. Well, I mean, I feel like we could dive into this topic, you know, for a whole episode and maybe we'll have you back on to sort of go into this more uh, once this project sort of comes a little bit more to fruition. We can kind of talk about some of those steps based on, well, based on the research that you have. 
Well, I think the perfect segue, Connor, is like, this is the man journey. This is what we're doing together. This is like, this is the whole jam, dude. This is the fucking vision. This Look is at you. Look at you what, tying the pieces together. What if, dude, what if 50 guys, what if men could get together and they could, they could speak absolutely openly and honestly about these issues together? Because, you know, realistically, you and I, if there was a woman present right now, like on this call with us, um, I think this call would have gone exactly the same as it would, but in a typical everyday conversation, men change the way that they talk when there's a woman around. Mm -hmm. And, and one reason for that, I believe is that as men were hiding a lot of the time, we're hiding most of the day, we're hiding the fact that, that, you know, we can't say that we're attracted to these different women or whatever, whatever it is. There's, there's things that we have to hide. We feel like we have to hide on a daily day, day to day basis. But with other men, they get it. And they, we don't have to hide them. We can open up. And it's incredible. Um, incredible how amazing and healing it is when you can be in the presence of just men and really open up and talk about exactly how you feel and feel held in that space. It's radically different than a woman. And that's why, you know, that's why you and I are jamming, you know, a bunch lately is that you're coming to Guatemala to do that. You're yeah. coming to Guatemala to bring 50 guys, you, um, Javon Langford, Jesse Israel, who started the big quiet in New York, myself, a guy named Robert Israel, who's a, he's the producer of, uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. You know, he's been around the block. The guy knows like, yeah, he's so awesome. He's, he's, uh, he's a, he's our LA dude. And a guy named Richard Foos, who started an incredible, um, record label called Rhino Factory or Show Factory, I should say, uh, and Rhino Records. And it's just like this group of epic men talking about real shit and at the same time, all with the commonality that, men, we like to do stuff. We just talked about how we want to be supportive and have service. We're going to rebuild a kindergarten. We're yeah. going to go down there, rebuild a kindergarten for two days, then go to Lake Atitlan, visit with um, some incredible elders of the community there and learn what it means to be a man and what the masculine means in Guatemala and, and talk about it ourselves. And then come back with ideally some like actionable steps, like what we're talking about here, not feeling helpless anymore, but feeling like, you know, helpful. Very cool, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's incredible. I've you know, since I started Man Talks and sort of building this platform, I'd always want to take a group of guys to go do some work, you know, and, and contribute back. And we've done it locally in Vancouver and, and we've, you know, given back to charities over in North America. And, and that's been, that's been interesting, but I think it's different for men. Like we want to be, we want to get dirty, you know, like when we, when yep. I, like the thing that I see most guys when they're like giving back to charity is great but I want to be involved, you know? And that's, that's what I kept hearing from guys time and time again when I, when I was asking our community, like, how do you want us to build a platform to give back? And so many yep. of them were like, I want to get dirty. I want to be in, I want to do the work. You know, I want to show up with a group of other guys and not only have those conversations, but build something. I want my, I want my hands to be involved. And so, uh, you know, that's what resonated with me so, so much about what you're doing. So, you know, I think that people have an understanding already because I, in the intro, kind of shared about uh, Journey and, and what you're doing. And you've kind of shared why this has come into creation. Um, but let, let's talk about let's talk about what people would benefit from it. Because realistically, I, I think you and I have talked about this before, is that we as people are, are pretty selfish human beings. And so, you know, and I mean that with no judgment. I'm, I'm selfish. Everybody's selfish. It's just how we are. But people generally want to know what the benefit is for them. Like, what are they going to get out of it? And I think the cool thing is, is that, you know, they could go online and I can go online. I can see, you know, some of the videos from Journey and some of the people that have gone. But what have you witnessed um, people get out of being a part of these experiences that maybe they didn't expect? 
Yeah. Well, the first funny, actually, the first trip that we ever did, the first journey we ever did was to El Salvador. And the reason we chose El Salvador was because uh, I was sitting on a log on a trip, on a man trip, similar to this, but we were in Washington State. And we were talking about El Salvador and how meaningful it was to a gentleman that I was that I was with. So like the impetus of the, the very beginning, the first trip happened from a man journey like this. So a lot of the outcomes are just deep connections with other men that are either in the same industry or parallel or you know complementary industries. That's obviously there. When you put a bunch of like fucking boss guys together, that's just going to happen. But what I like, my favorite story was on that on that trip to El Salvador. We had a guy, 40, 40 year old guy named Marlon from Vancouver, uh, nightclub promoter. And he had raised enough money to build a home. And so he went down there and he built that home alongside a 95-year-old man named Senor Rodriguez. And, and I got to watch them build this house together, like super focused. And this is the first, first brand new home that Senor Rodriguez would ever have. And at the end of the second day, so you build all day Saturday, build all day Sunday, similar to what we're doing in Guatemala together, build all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And at the end of the day, Sunday, I watched Marlon, this 40-year-old nightclub gruff, shaved head, tattoos down all, his, all over his body, nightclub promoter, hand the keys to this 95-year-old man and watch him walk into his you know, first brand new home. And so Senor Rodriguez is crying and Marlon's crying. I'm fucking bawling my face off. And watching that connection happen not just between Marlon and Senor Rodriguez, but that connection between Marlon and like his deeper self. That's for me, that's what like I I live for. That's why we have this company is to create those connections and those experiences. And so the whole goal with Guatemala is that is to give people this, give men this gateway to be of deep service to a community that they never would have met otherwise for people that they never would have connected to in a country that they might've never gone to and realize not only that they are not, that different from those people that but that they're exactly the same as those people mm, nice. and be, be surrounded by a community then that and we can all look around and know that one commonality that brought us all there is that we all care mm. because yeah. as as man like you said earlier a lot of times we don't talk about this stuff mm-hmm. as much like you i know you do because we've you know i'm your buddy and and we have been talking about this i know you have a burning desire to give back and so you do give back mm-hmm. and you know you're not alone a lot of your listeners want to do it a lot of them are looking like what's my entry point how do i actually get involved in in giving back do i start a nonprofit? do i go volunteer and hand out soup at the soup kitchen whatever it is what this is is for people that have never done anything this is an entry point it's a fun six-day trip two days of impact three days of what we call integration so meditation and some yoga and Hopefully we'll find some logs that we can like wrestle on or something like that. I don't know. Something very, something very manly. Um, and, and like eating steak with our hands and all that kind of stuff. So for someone who's never done anything, you know, impact related before, it's an entry point. It's a foot wet. It's like, do I love this? This is this where this what like makes my heart start on fire. And for people that have done a lot of impact work in the, in the past, then this is, like an up level. This is like a, a potentially like a deepening of what they're already doing. They get to see it, feel it, touch it, connect with the local nonprofit that's been around for 20 years um, and done some incredible work throughout Latin America. And then for people that are getting involved in the men's space, like we have you, Javon Langford, Jesse Israel, three guys that are just like incredibly powerful, deeply rooted men that host, like Jesse hosts thousands of people for meditations in New York. And you host, you know, I don't know, what's, whatever your biggest events is, you've now hosted thousands of people for Man Talks, right? And Javon has done these workshops all over the world. So we just get to, myself, I'm kind of you know excited and selfish, but I, I'm just excited to learn from you guys. 
And so for anyone that isn't wants to explore what it really means to be a fucking man, then a real man, then, then this might be the trip for them. Amazing. Amazing, brother. I appreciate that. I, I got, I just like, I feel like I got really excited for this. <laughs> it's, 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 about incredible. Time. <laughs> it's, it's incredible, man. Um, like I've been, I've been jacked about it for a while now. And so it's, it's cool to hear you talk about it. Uh, first, first person. So where, uh, we'll, we'll put for anybody listening that's interested, we're going to put the link, um, below in, uh, in all of the resources. So you can find that on mantalks.com. Um, but just for the listeners out there that might be listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, um, where can they go Taylor to, to find more info on this man journey? Well, two ways. One is just our site. We journey.co. So W E journey.co. And for people that have people that want to contribute in a, in a bigger way, if people want to get involved in hosting, some sort of a workshop or want to get involved in the community on a deeper level, then they can email me, which is just T like Taylor T at we journey.co. This is like this, the, this trip is, I'm just so excited for this. It's May 4th tonight, by the way. So it's a month out, uh, or about three weeks by the time this, this gets released May 4th tonight in Guatemala. Um, the pricing's on the website, definitely hit, hit Connor up. And if you do sign up, then it'll say who sent you and put Connor's name in there. Um, they'll make sure that you're, you're working close to Connor when you get to, to get on the ground. Amazing. Amazing, brother. I, well, I appreciate you. And, um, just cause we're running out of time, we got to wrap up here. My, my last question for you is, you know, for the tangibles, for the people that are out there that do want to get involved and for the people that are out there that do want to give back, you know, you've, you've done it in so many different ways now, and you've seen people give back in so many different ways. And, you know, whether it's starting a nonprofit or volunteering in the soup kitchen, what is one piece of advice that you feel is kind of universal for anybody that's wanting to get into that space? What, what would you sort of tell somebody that says, I want to give back? I don't know how. Man, I, you'd think I'd have an answer for this because <laughs> this is a popular question. Um, you know, I would say the first question is, you know, what what really lights you up? I know it's, it can be kind of cliche, but what is the most fun? Like Journey, we're building it because it's the most fun company we could possibly think of building. The reason that it um, makes a bunch of – that making an impact on the world is part of that fun is because myself and my co-founder have been involved in companies that, that just – that don't make an impact on the world and therefore just aren't that fun. Mm. For the long haul, we know that we're, you know, we're both in our mid-30s. You know, we know that um, we want this one to be the one that we're involved with for years and years and years to come. So we're not going to build another fucking t-shirt company. Okay, so we, we want to do something that's going to be making a lasting impact. And, and that we find very, very fun. So for someone who wants to get involved in making an impact, it's genuinely what do you find to be fun. Don't do it out of guilt or don't do it out of duty. Do it because it's going to be something that you love. And... And, uh, and I would say, start with, start with some, start with just getting out there, whether it be on the man trip, um, or it be going and serving soup in the soup kitchen, just do it. Just do one thing, just start because that's it's like starting a company. It's like starting anything, start starting a relationship. You got to go out and talk to the girl, right? Yep. Well, start a relationship with impact is the same thing. You got to go out and talk to it. You got to go out and see what you like and see what you don't like. And, and then we'll just go from there. So just take action. I love it. That's some great wisdom. Well, I appreciate you joining me today, my brother. And, uh, and I guess I will see you in a month's time for everybody else that's tuning in. Uh, if you want to check out more podcasts, blog posts, or any of the videos from our live events, go to mantalks.com. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton, the founder of Mantalks, signing off. Thanks, Connor. Thank you.